The Frederick Playlist Podcast is brought to you in part by Mystery Ton Studios. Looking for a place to record your music? Welcome to Mystery Ton Studios. They are a full-service recording, mixing, and mastering studio located 15 minutes outside of Frederick, Maryland. Owner-engineer Kenny Eaton has years of experience working with musicians around the world and a passion for one thing, helping artists realize their vision. Go to mysterytonstudios.com to learn more and schedule a free tour today. That's M-Y-S-T-E-R-Y-T-O-N studios.com. Your music matters. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome into this episode of the Frederick Playlist Podcast. I'm here with somebody I've talked to a lot but have never met, and now we've met. So that excites me very much, and I'm happy, very happy to finally meet you. Andy Stout, is that how you say your last name? Yes. Okay. From Miss Lonely Heart, how are you? Good. You're good. Yes, good to be here. It's it's good to have you. You uh, you've been around for a while, from what I understand. A little while. That happens. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Yeah. And you have you always been in Frederick or no, around Frederick? I mean, no, actually, uh, from South Central Pennsylvania, a really small well, town called Greencastle. Okay. It's uh, most notable for being the. Um, the first place on a northern soil where a Union soldier was killed during the Civil War. Oh, that's a distinction. That's its claim to fame, pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's, that's. Did you, did you get into the Civil War, as as a child? Well, sure. You know, growing yeah. up between Gettysburg and Antietam. Yeah. Pretty much mandatory. Have you been? I've I've always wondered where to go in Gettysburg because I'm not originally from this area, and, and I've oh. wondered. Um, you know, whenever you go to Gettysburg, where do you see music? Where do you eat good food? Oh, um, well, the Gary Owen okay. is um, our uh, guitar player. Miss Lonely Heart's guitar player is the house musician there. Oh, really? And okay. his sister is the bar manager. And they oh. book great music and have great food. Mm-hmm. And it's right off the main square. So, yeah, that uh, like traffic circle Yeah, thing? the traffic yeah. circle. <laughs> that yeah. seems to be so confusing. It is <laughs> a bit, yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania's full of those. And Gettysburg, I thought I had read somewhere they... They had a festival. They have some type of festival every year. They do, and I've never been to that and know nothing about it. But it is some <laughs> big band festival that mm-hmm. they do every year. I think they raise money for a charity or something, but I I don't know. Maybe we should look into that for the next time. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Lonelyheart once played on that traffic circle. Really? Yeah, for a, a benefit show that our guitar player had set up um, no kidding. years ago. And we played, there's a great little artist collective coffee shop called Waldo's, I believe. Okay. And we did a benefit there uh, last year, and it was great. Like, artists can rent out these little stalls, and they do printing. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, different kinds of things. Um, growing up, what what led you into music? I mean, that's a pretty wide-ranging question anyway. Some of your early influences, of course, but... At what point did you did you decide, hey, I, I want to be a musician myself? And, and were there seminal moments along the way? Yeah, there were. I mean, growing up in South Central Pennsylvania, there's not... I mean, the fact that Miss Lonely Heart exists is, is itself a total <laughs> fluke. Like, why would we be from... And the band, the band has never all lived in the same town, ever. Really? Right. We've always lived in different towns. And I'm from Greencastle. Um, Dan... And well, the other three guys are from Chambersburg, PA, which is the next town up. Mm. The band actually started in Shippensburg in the mid '90s, in okay. Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. But now, and then I moved to Frederick in the mid '90s. Okay. Dan lives in Gettysburg. Our guitar player, um, our guitar player Mike, lives in Chambersburg. Our drummer Jay lives in Fort Loudon, Pennsylvania. But so, growing up in South Central Pennsylvania in the 1980s, 
uh, you know, there were <laughs> limited <laughs> options. Thank God, you know, we had this guy, Keith Lenhar, who was a sponsored skateboarder. Oh, that's cool. And he was okay. just a fantastic guy. Mm-hmm. And there was some other, you know, there's always those cool older kids yeah. that like let you borrow a record or something yeah. and turn you <laughs> on to stuff or are willing to take you to a show. And so it was really through skateboarding and meeting all these other juvenile delinquents <laughs> that were into skateboarding. And you discovered uh, discovered punk rock. Mm-hmm. I got uh, like Bad Brains, Rock for Light. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first albums that I made a cassette tape of and the Dead Kennedys and the Clash. And uh, went to my first show at the old 930 Club when it was just a 300 person capacity no club. Uh, and I think that was Agent Orange and Doggy Style were the wow. two bands that I saw. And, you know, it was such a thrill being from South Central PA and traveling into the city. We felt yeah. like we were getting away with this huge <laughs> thing, man. Like none of the other kids at high school, you know, they were farmers or gearheads or jocks or whatever. They had no clue, right? And we were getting away with this great punk rock secret mm-hmm. and uh, started going down there and saw like the Circle Jerks mm-hmm. and all kinds of DC hardcore bands, Black Market Baby, Marginal Man, Government issue um and then other music as well red cross and i saw jane's addiction before nothing Mm -hmm. shocking came out you know and just some really seminal bands at at key moments it was a good place to be if you were really getting into music at that time that's and especially now because i i always wonder the older you get, the more, at least me, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more it's like, well, it's a Wednesday and I got to go into DC. And, and no, I hear you. Kind of yeah. like, you, you don't have as much enthusiasm. But g- growing up around that, I can just imagine as a teenager saying, oh, I have the ability to go. I'm going to go. And you don't care about the consequences. Exactly. Like when you're, because I went to see my first shows when I was 14 and 15 years mm-hmm. old. And yeah. I got older friends to drive me into the city mm-hmm. who were also into it. So, yeah, you have a lot more energy and enthusiasm <laughs> to go out on a Wednesday night. You know? Yeah. And now it's like, then life gets in the way and you have jobs and. It it, it, it kind of bums you out when you stop to think about it. So you can't think about it too much. Right. That's my... <laughs> just go with the flow. Yeah. If there's a Wednesday, you can go out. You just go for it. Like sometimes yeah. I'll still walk down to Guido's. Yeah. Or th- wherever on a weeknight if there's something going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you so you grew up a total, total punk rocker. That was... <laughs> well, hardcore punk rock. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. yeah. And and so, but Miss Lonely Heart... <laughs> is not that. Is not that, which is interesting to me. Was there ever any iteration of Miss Lonely Heart that was that? That was pretty hardcore punk? Uh, yeah. So there was a hardcore band with myself. I've been playing with Dan, our guitar player, mm-hmm. since we were 14 years old. Okay. Yeah. So... And that's pretty special and really cool because yeah. there's not a lot of people that can say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a band called... Our, our first band was called The Social Dogs. Uh-huh. And that was pretty punk rock. <laughs> and that was, again, like our parents would have to drive us to practice because we were only 14 years old. Mm-hmm. You know? And then after that, there was a hardcore band called Cause and Effect that put out a cassette tape. And it played around. It actually came to Frederick and played shows mm-hmm. at the All Ages space uh, on Market Street that used to exist. What What was that, the All Ages space? I, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I forget what it was called. It was run by a church, oddly oh, enough. Cool. And it was this total hole in the wall. It was one of those um, on Market Street where they had the facades that came down recently. Mm-hmm. It was one yeah. of those. It was actual building then. Wow. And this would have been like around 84 to 88. Mm-hmm. And hardcore bands from all over the country would come there and play like all, no uh, you know, the Descendants sort of side band all played there. Wow. and. Um, instead and vision were some hardcore bands that uh we saw and others and so and we would just uh come down to those shows wow 
That's, so what drew you to Frederick? I mean, even to come and live in Frederick, did you always want to come? No, no, no yeah, no. <laughs> so it was it was a job. I got a job here out of college. I, I did my undergraduate work at Shippensburg University. Okay. And then um, got a job here, and that's what brought me in 95, uh, I wow. guess. Can I ask you what you do? I'm an archaeologist. An archaeologist, really? Yeah. That's a really interesting profession it is it's uh well and the job that i have now is sort of the dream job in north american archaeology i'm really like one of uh like a handful of people fewer than six that do what i do and i work for an organization called the archaeological conservancy which is similar to the nature conservancy but not at all affiliated with it it's mm -hmm. its own thing and um we go out and acquire america's most important archaeological sites to preserve them I'm blown away by this. This is in in all. How do you have time for a band? Well, <laughs> you know, you do it. You, you find time for the things you love, right? So, so, you at what point did you take to archaeology in your life? Well, so I got a, a degree in sociology from Shippensburg University, mm -hmm. and the employment options in that are pretty limited, you know. Uh, yeah. So I was like exploring psychology and anthropology, and I actually worked my way through my undergrad as a nursing attendant in the psych ward of the Chambersburg Hospital. No kidding. Yeah, but then uh, got out of school, and it was like somehow I had taken every anthropology class that Shippensburg had, and I volunteered at Gettysburg uh, battlefield for a summer doing archaeology and mm -hmm. then just got this started getting jobs in archaeology and did field work for years got burnt out completely of that mm -hmm. left archaeology completely mm -hmm. um, ended up working at the National Archives oh. and I was responsible for all the presidential gifts that President uh, Clinton and President Bush received. Wow. Which was also a very bizarre job. I would imagine. Myself and one other person. Like, you know, if Hillary wanted a certain brooch, she would call her office and we would take it over to her or whatever it was. A, a get, like, so there... Are there any secrets you can share with us? <laughs> oh well, you would be—you know—you would be surprised at the things that uh, the presidents get as gifts, and it's mm -hmm. everything from like your crazy uncle glued some seashells to a beer bottle in Senate, <laughs> to total Sinbad-looking gold-encrusted, ju golden jewel-encrusted <laughs> swords from you know Saudi Arabia or whatever. Wow. I remember Clinton had like a pair of $70,000 cufflinks that were in the shape of jaguar heads and every spot on the jaguar was a diamond and it had emeralds for eyes and they were valued at like $70,000 and that was just goodness. one gift and um, and all of that is housed in the very tippy top of the archives building um, that movie being John Malkovich, there's yeah. a little room that they go in that's not quite a full room. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's that's where that's like <laughs> that's like the size of the room where all these gifts are. And then um, with Clinton, after he got out of office, uh, I had to serve as a courier on these um, in insane convoys down to Little Rock in a former car dealership. <laughs> that they use to store all that stuff. I mean, we could do a whole show just on the stories say. from that. Yeah, but so uh, then like 9-11 happened. I got a free ride at AU, got my graduate degree oh. in public anthropology, and then I worked for the Frederick County Landmarks Foundation for a year. Mm -hmm. I had an office in the Schifferstadt. Oh, okay. I did the Oktoberfest yeah. there that's, one year. Yeah, Booked the Oompa Band. No and, kidding. Yeah, and then uh, this job opened up, and I've been doing what I do now for uh, almost 15 years. Wow. Yeah. So did you, uh, are the hours kind of wacky? 
or is with it what I do it? now? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean it's straight up. There's some weekend work. It's a lot of travel at times. Like the first year I had the job, I was on the road 250 days out wow. of the year. Yeah. Well, so I mean, we're taping this uh, at noon though on a Friday. Or did you just not have work today? Or uh, yeah. That... Well, I'm actually off on leave right now oh, for a few weeks. Oh, okay. So and it works been, out good. You've been. Uh, has it been good to not work? Yes. Okay. <laughs> not working is good. It's amazing how quickly your day feels. Well, especially when the whole city floods and you get yeah. like a little bit of water in the basement and there's all these little things to do. Yeah. Um, time gets taken up pretty quick. But. Yeah. Yeah. The flood. So that, I mean, that's something too that, that I do want to get to. And I want to get to a couple other things related to that, but I want to stay on track at least for right now. Yeah. And in terms of sort of the evolution of, uh, so Miss Lonely Heart, you, you guys started on some level you were in a band that was pretty hardcore punk but when was it like we want to or at least you personally right. maybe i want to tone the music so down there's a specific <laughs> moment that you can right. almost like put your finger on it and it was around 1988 okay and you know it spoke of coming to those all ages shows in frederick mm -hmm. and the violence and the skinhead problem oh. got so out of control. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was around that time that they had like the Revolution Summer in DC and Fugazi mm -hmm. uh, came to, onto the scene and people stopped slam dancing so much, right? Because it started, it went from sort of a theatrical movement in the crowd to being like a really violent kind of thing where people wanted to hurt other people. Yeah. And, and there was like some famous story about Frederick, like some skinhead murdered a person. And oh, wow. I think they stabbed them with a knife that had their name in it or something. There's some bizarre story. I don't have all the That's details. Insane, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but the violence, it was really, it was a scary time and it was mm -hmm. bad. And it was like, at some point you're just like, hmm, like I really don't want to go out and get hurt <laughs> tonight. I'd like to just hear a band and the mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, like alternative music came on the scene, like whatever yeah. that is in all of its big amorphous form. But <laughs> people, there were suddenly bands that were singing instead of yelling all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, we just sort of fell into that. I remember actually I did get kicked out of the hardcore band I was in at one point because they were like, you know, we're a little worried about you because you're like kind of starting to try to sing a little. And uh, rather than just, <laughs> yeah, we're not sure where you're coming from. You're listening to this other weird music. And so like uh, a lot of the college radio rock. Too? Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like a little you know i'm just thinking of bands like rem yeah and, yeah totally that's that's interesting so that's how you guys and i would like to think you know especially if that's the turn you took back then you predated a type of music i think listening to you now that really kind of ended up booming i mean the the voice i love the voice and the i i love the band which i i, I mean i hate to to say that because um sometimes like I, I end up saying things like that a lot and it's all good and i mean it i mean it all but there's but a lot of great bands there's in a Frederick lot to love there yeah. are but i'm telling you man i really love your band like that ep or that seven inch i loved the three songs on it i just love uh living ordinary or something ordinary living, ordinary yeah. living yeah. yeah i just i absolutely loved it and that that was music that kind of had a heyday in the mid two thousands or so. Right. Um, a lot of bands coming out of Chicago, a lot of bands in the Midwest kind of took the template that you guys were doing far before them. It seems right. Is well, it? It, like being the odd band that we are, like never really should have had existed in the first place. You mm. know, we kind of uh, we started before the internet. 
existed yeah. really mm-hmm. and then but we were sort of on that wave we were influenced by like the stuff in dc because it was becoming quote-unquote emo instead mm-hmm. of hardcore right yeah. and that's the other funny thing it, like miss lonely heart has been called an emo band we've been called an indie rock band we've been mm-hmm. called a rock band we've as a reviewer on the seven inch even mentioned ska oddly oh, enough yeah right. i don't know where that comes from <laughs> but i mean just like, all these different labels and it's like at some point and at various times we may have subscribed to some of that mm-hmm. a little bit but we're just a band really now because we've outlasted a lot some of those genres yeah and we were just always just gonna do our own thing it didn't really matter what was swirling on or around it how did you come up with this sound though what was it when you guys were first initially doing it was it just your voice and these sort of we want to approach guitars like this yeah like was it just it's just like kind of an organic thing. Like we were listening to Husker Du and um, like Jawbox and mm. bands that had melody. Yeah. And guitar hooks were a big thing with us, you uh-huh. know. Um, and it just, uh, yeah, it just kind of came together. The um, Jay, our drummer, and Mike, our the guitar player, are a bit younger than Dan and I. Okay. So they kind of brought like the whole like pavement and that indie rock that was going on at that time mm-hmm. to the scene, whereas Dan and I had like our old sort of punker roots, right? Mm-hmm. And all of that just sort of meshed together to make our sound whatever it is. You you mentioned being categorized as indie rock, being categorized as emo. Do those labels offend you at all? No. no. Like, cause they I mean I, nothing to me. They, I mean, really, because they're so like what like emo now is so funny because it's associated with like hot topics and like a yeah. certain kind of weird thing that I don't even know what that's about, right? <laughs> like I was there when Rights of Spring started and mm-hmm. it was like the first, you know, but it's just those, I think that those labels are created by music reviewers, right? Yeah. Who yeah. need to try to describe something and, and yeah. are looking for terminology to do that. Never put any any credibility in anything a music reviewer writes. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can say that right now. Unless it's good. Uh, well, <laughs> were, are there any... Um, uh, sort of bands like that, like Lifetime. Did you ever get into Lifetime at all? Uh, no, not now, me personally. Did, were, were there any emo bands that 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 you emo quote unquote that that you really got into? Not really. I mean, mm-hmm. I liked Rights of Spring when they came out, mm-hmm. um, and there was well, like Jets to Brazil. Yeah. I guess they were part of that, mm-hmm. and and things of that nature. But that was it. So you, that's so interesting to me. And and you guys were doing it organically and ahead of everybody else and it's great that you keep it now the drummer and bass player you said are younger than than you guys how did you find this iteration how did you find them uh well like the band that dan and i dan and i were also in a band in the early 90s called pagan virtue which was kind of a that sounds like a metal band well it does (laughs) but it wasn't uh but it was sort of you know grunge had just come out and all that stuff so it was a bit more of a rock band but Mm -hmm. even that band opened up for fugazi and shudder to think and and played you know a bunch of shows with uh like-minded bands like that um and then when that band broke up um i found jay and mike somehow i guess they used to come to pagan virtue shows and were fans of what we were doing and we just connected um in shippensburg some hmm. way so that's is it is it intre- i'm sure it's interesting is it is it something that causes issues the the age different like maybe you're like hey man i just want to go home and they're like let's party yeah no <laughs> not at all because we're all not at this point we're all in i mean even though they're younger than us they're in their early 40s we're in our mid 40s so mm-hmm. we're all kind of like ready to call it a night at nine <laughs> anymore you know so with with Lonely Heart though is is this a, it it's still going on when we had talked about you coming on you said that you guys are going to plan some stuff for later in the year. Right. Do you ever see the band 
ending? Well, yeah, you know, we did go on hiatus. Like there was, so it starts in 94 and we put out a cassette and then in 95. It's so great. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a cheat sheet because there's so much time. And then our first uh, full length is 97. Mm -hmm. Then we did a split seven inch with the Braille drivers from Morgantown, West Virginia in 99. We did our sort of seminal album geography with Jay Robbins, that's year 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, then we play as a three-piece for a few years. Why did you do that? Because uh, Mike moved to Philadelphia, our one guitar player. Okay. And we just wanted to continue the band. And we did several national tours as a three-piece mm. and put out a CD that way. Dan would play through two guitar amps, one on each side of the stage, to sort of fill out yeah. the sound as if we were still had the other <laughs> guitar player. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to a guy in a band with no bass player. So <laughs> right, <that's> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so then it's like around 2004, we go on hiatus. Mm-hmm. And then everything is silent until like uh, 2014. So for 10 years, we did nothing. Why did you go on hiatus? And well, did you know, not to interrupt you, but did you know when you went on hiatus, it was just going to be hiatus or did you say we're um, breaking up? Oh, no, yeah. I figured that was the end of that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And again, uh, Again, uh, well, Mike had moved to Philly, mm-hmm. and Dan, our guitar player, is like he is the killer musician of the band. He mm-hmm. plays multiple instruments. He's a a sound man. Mm-hmm. He does recording. He's a guitar luthier. He is wow. a busy guy, mm-hmm. and so he got involved in a bunch of projects. Mike had moved away. None of us were ever living in the same town to begin with. It mm-hmm. just got too difficult to continue it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I figured that that was it. And then uh, when it did reformulate, that was just a total fluke, too, because we're all like, Mike had moved back to the area, mm-hmm. and we were all at stages in our lives a little more settled, and we kind of had a routine and mm-hmm. had some free time and mm-hmm. had an interest to do it. And so it was like 2014, we get back together, and then we, I th- around that time, we did... And, you know, in hindsight, we should have probably done it differently. As far as reconstituting ourselves, we should have taken a bunch of time and wrote some new songs then. And, but we just had to get our chops back playing because mm-hmm. other than Dan, the other three of us hadn't really been actively playing anything. So mm-hmm. we got our chops back and immediately we did like a 10-day tour. Wow. Which was very well received. And we played um, like Cleveland and we played Manhattan a couple nights and D.C. at the Black Cat. And um, are these all just from connections and and playing for as long as you guys did before? Right. Did you ever have a record label? Were you ever on a a No, we've always been 100 percent do it yourself. You've always been independent. Yeah. And And that was out of necessity because being from South Central Pennsylvania, like who's going to do it for you? Right. You know, Uh, it's either do it yourself or don't do it. And, And so we have this label molecular laboratories and that's what we release all our stuff on we Mm -hmm. have put out other bands in the past but Mm -hmm. probably won't do that in the future just because of all the work that's involved in it but we put out the braille drivers 20 song debut album when it came out uh in the early 2000s and that i have to say that that uh album and and the braille drivers spawned like all these awesome jay marinelli one man band he was in the braille drivers and um one of the members of the band is now a very a noted poet, and I think he teaches at Berkeley. And wow. um, Yeah, they were just great guys. And that album, when it came out, uh, it got the most stellar reviews of any like independent release that I've ever been associated with. Mm. It was just, it had 20 songs on it, and at least 10 of them were just total 
hits, you know? I have to get you a copy <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd really Because like it's to hard to it. find these days. And, and 20 songs is a lot. It is. It I, is. I, I like that idea, <laughs> especially now, because I feel like people are so interested in the song. They're not interested in the album. They're interested right. in the song. Right. So even if people do put out albums anymore, they're 10 to 12 songs. Yeah. A 20 song album and not even a double album? No, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that yeah, was great. Um, and we put that out. And then at the time, like I, their bass player had left, the Braille Drivers bass player. So I was the hired gun for a tour that they did, regional mm-hmm. tour, uh, playing bass for them for one summer after their album came out. And we put out an album by this band, Viva Caramel, from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the other stuff we put out has just been Miss Lonely Heart stuff. And it's distributed by Discord Direct, okay. which is a good thing. And and in mm-hmm. the heyday, like when we put out Geography, that album actually almost went to a third pressing and it charted on college radio nationally. Really? And it was distributed by various distributors across the country. You could, mm-hmm. for a while there, you could go to like Camelot Music at the mall and buy Miss Lonely Heart cds wow it was, yeah it was pretty wild i miss camelot i miss tower records <laughs> right and, you know, all, waxy all maxis yeah. and all that yeah do you, uh, do you have do you remember media play remember those stores circuit city and media play uh, there yeah. was a, a, a chain called media play that yeah. i just loved it uh so you guys were a huge deal and <laughs> i mean with everything you just said and i want to go back to the the touring just for a second mm. And especially that you were able to pick it back up after 10 years on hiatus, you come back and you could book these cities, Cleveland and Manhattan, like you said, over the 10 years, I'm assuming the people that you knew in those positions, did the, were they all still there? How did no. you end up? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So it's like um, the, there's some movie where they find this uh, Neanderthal frozen in the ice and they reanimate him, you know? Encino Man? Yeah, yeah maybe that's yeah. it. And that's like what our band was like when we came back on the scene because <laughs> it was like the whole world had changed around us. Like mm-hmm. our silly band, like we form before the internet exists. Yeah. Then we go on hiatus before Facebook is invented, right? Uh-huh. So when we come back 10 years later, it's a whole different landscape yeah. and a whole different thing. The whole music world is up on it, standing on its head. And I still don't think anybody's figured out exactly how this all works anymore you know nobody has yeah so uh there were some contacts but luckily we had the chops and how to book i mean once Mm -hmm. you've got the routine down and can you know know to hassle the booking agent just enough not to upset them but to get the gig (laughs) you know and connections and who you know like some of the people had gone but they still were they knew who booked such and such Mm -hmm. club and so yeah booking your band is the most disheartening thing in the world oh man then i've had many conversations with many people about that throughout my life and i'm sure you've been through it as well yeah getting to the place that you got with miss lonely heart Mm. with that success that's got to feel like such an achievement only because for instance you could book 10 days (laughs) you know well yeah and even 10 years after taking 10 years off you could book 10 days you could do national tours like you said you did like that's to me that's an achievement you don't even care about how many records you sell that's an achievement right yeah Yeah. well luckily because we did have a body of work Mm -hmm. from before so we could present ourselves and it was kind of i think of a novelty for some of these bands like Mm -hmm. oh here's this obscure indie rock band that never played here the first time around and we'll let them play this time yeah yeah the whole reunion tour thing right when it's weird now too because bands don't break up anymore you know, yeah, like but, yeah. when I was a boy, bands broke up, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they were done. And uh, but now it's just like everyone just keeps playing and yeah. it, it's not as vigorous as it used to be. Like Miss Lonely Heart doesn't play as much as we used to. There were years where we would do like maybe as many as 100 shows mm-hmm. at, at the peak of things. We were mm-hmm. doing the national tours. 
But now we're very selective mm-hmm. just because we don't want to go and play to an empty room because mainly because we're just old and we don't want to carry our amps <laughs> for downstairs or upstairs for no one, right? right? Yeah. So we try to make each show that we do now something you know special or whether it's a benefit or just the other bands that we're playing with. And mm-hmm. So I think we've gotten a, a bit more selective and we're not no longer it's nice to not like we're not trying to prove anything to yeah. anyone like mm-hmm. we do not care right <laughs> we just don't like we're happy to be alive mm-hmm. that is an accomplishment you yeah. know and to yeah. be playing music in our 40s is an accomplishment mm-hmm. and to do, do it the way that we want to um and so all the rest of the stuff doesn't matter so we're just happy to be here and like we'll play certain like what if six or 12 shows a year maybe 20 mm-hmm. but probably never more than that mm-hmm. Just wow. because of everybody's station in life, that it's the when you get to that point, that's the best. You feel a lot of freedom. You feel like it. It just for so many years, I'm sure that you felt because I know how this feels too. It's like it's a grind. You grind. You grind. You grind, and you hope and you hope and you hope and like that's that's it. You hope about everything. You hope people are gonna care. You hope people are gonna show up. You, you like all of that. And it's a lot of punches in the face and it's a lot of ups and downs to get to the point where you say you guys are at now. It's like you could never break up, you know, that's how it right. feels. Yeah. Like. And, right. and you're, I think you had mentioned you're going to do some studio work this year. Yeah. So uh, in September, we're going to go back in with Jay Robbins uh, and record. He recorded our geography album. And um, I mean, he's worked with so many bands at this point. Um, are you going to do a f- who else has he worked with? As you're going to say. Um, so, oh my gosh, really? Like, so <laughs> I, well, I know he did a clutch album not too long ago, okay. um, but tons of DC bands mm. and th- there's a red hair album that just came out that he did that and, um, tons of stuff. You could, he has his own studio now when we recorded with him the first time it was at inner ear studio mm-hmm. and we'd always wanted to go there cause that's where all the seminal DC hardcore bands recorded and some yeah. of our favorite albums were recorded there. Um, but this time we're going to go to the magpie cage is his own studio that he has. Where is that? It's in Baltimore. It's in Baltimore. Is it going to be a full length or an EP? Well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, it's definitely, um, well, we don't know how, whenever we get the body of work done that we're taking there, because we're still, some of the songs are still works in progress at this point, mm-hmm. even though September's coming up pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we're, we're going to have at least 10 songs, maybe a few more. Um, the plan is to release it as a full length, but it may end up being released as a couple of EPs. Yeah. It just uh, So our charge right now is to finish the songs, assemble them as a body of work, and see what works as a body of work mm-hmm. like if there, there's going to be an odd song here or there that just doesn't flow mm-hmm. with the rest of it we'll kick it out maybe do a free send it out on the internet as a free song yeah or put it on an ep or something the internet it's something you've brought up a couple times because when but when you went on hiatus the internet didn't matter really and you come mm-hmm. back and the internet does matter in every way to every yeah. musician and artist and I'm really interested in this because I've I've long been nostalgic for the old days. I'm I'm very much somebody who invests in nostalgia for better or for worse. And I remember the way music was and the way you got stuff. Like we were talking about Tower Records and things like that and independent record stores too. You could buy bootlegs. If you saw a bootleg of some band you liked and it would be $70 or something to buy a tape or a CD. Uh, those things don't exist anymore. Right. Do you think 
it was better then? Do you think it's better now? I mean, I know that it's hard to, to quantify them directly because they're both have value, both sort of eras of music have value. But in terms of being an independent artist, do you think it's good that everybody can just, like you said, bands don't break up anymore and bands put out songs at a time. They mm. don't really think about, hey, we have an album coming out. We're going to spend six months before the album actually comes out talking about the album coming out. Right. People just want to get everything out as quick as they can. Yeah. Which do you prefer, the old days or the new days? Well, I'm probably the old days, though they mm -hmm. both have positives and negatives mm -hmm. to them, right? I mean, the internet is a great tool, but at the same time, like I see these bands and it's like, well, they got to have the Twitter account and yeah. the, all these other pages. And it's like, when do you find time to work on the craft itself, <laughs> right? Aren't yeah. you consumed by all of this other stuff? And so, I mean, we're kind of troglodytes in, as far as technology comes because mm -hmm. you know being the age we are and who we are but uh i mean we do have Bandcamp, and mm -hmm. we've got and i don't uh mike our guitar player handles all that stuff <laughs> i don't do any of it we've got a facebook page you know mm -hmm. uh we do have a twitter account that we never use okay um uh, we you have instagram uh i don't know no. <laughs> i don't know i don't know that's the most punk rock answer you could give to instagram uh, right now yeah so i don't know I don't think so. I don't okay. think we have that one. That's the way to go. Yeah. So, you know, old days were cool because, uh, like, if you went somewhere and you saw someone else who was dressed kind of oddly, you knew that they were probably yeah. into what mm -hmm. you were into and you would go up and strike up a conversation yeah. and make a friend. And now everything is so diffuse. Like, the person with the blue hair might be listening to total pop music on the radio yeah. and you just don't know anymore. Yeah. And so what used to be, like, a very, like, there was a scene, mm -hmm. you know, and there's still scenes right but it's very diffuse now and mm -hmm. i think the internet has created a lot of that diffusion and some of that is good and some of it is is bad do you think it's hurt live music live music is hurting yeah for sure and i think there are a variety of factors in that i mm -hmm. think that as our culture changes you know um it's almost like classic rock is this archaic thing where these guys yeah. dinosaurs come out with these guitars <laughs> right and and play them and electronic music and the rise of that right yeah. and just but live music attendance is down mm -hmm. no matter what the genre i think right and yeah. a lot of that has to do with everyone's at home on their laptop mm -hmm. uh, or on their phone and um you know modernity and the disconnection uh, that comes with it, mm -hmm. um, anomie, right? Mm -hmm. The sense of normlessness that's created by modern society. Uh, I just don't think people are, we're, we're more connected than we've ever been, yet we're so not connecting, yeah. right? Yeah. On an intimate, personal way that we used to. Do you believe, do you like the sort of boom in festivals? Because that's kind of, people tour, bands tour now just to do the festivals in this summer. Yeah, I I'm not really big on big crowds of folks. Yeah, me neither. I'd much mm -hmm. rather go to a small place and have an intimate experience with a few hundred people in this band that's playing. Mm -hmm. And so I think the last festival that I went to was the first Lollapalooza. Really? <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> Which was that's, a fantastic show. Yeah. yeah. Who who headlined? Um, was Jane's Addiction, well, of course, I Jane's guess. Addiction, but, but that one had, it was Jane's Addiction, uh, Body Count played. Ice, with Ice-T? Uh, uh, yeah, Ice-T, yeah. uh, the Rollins Band. Okay. Uh, Butthole Surfers, Susie and the Banshees. Was that the Rage Against the Machine? No. Okay. It was pre all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure there were some others, but that's there's the ones that I remember. Body 
count. That would be a crazy, yeah, insane show. Yeah, it was a great thing. Uh, you, uh, it, it's funny that you bring up not being connected, but being connected and all of that. I, I was just listening to something, uh, somebody who went to see the Bruce Springsteen Broadway show that he's currently doing. And at the end of the show, it's, you know, he's taking this curtain call and there's hardly any applause. And it's, he's doing it in this small room. That That's where it's held. So you'd think everybody would be erupting. It's this magnificent moment. And there's hardly any applause because everybody it's has their phones. phones. Yeah. <laughs> they're videoing him right. say goodbye from the stage because this this will be the closest they ever get to Springsteen, right. presumably. So so they're, you know, they're videoing it. And I just, when you go to shows, if you have gone to shows and you see people using their phones, videoing or something like right. that, how, what do you think when you see that? Well, I just think that you're... It, you're trading in the actual experience mm -hmm. for the ability to share the experience with all these other people. Mm -hmm. So like you're missing out on the actual mm -hmm. thing that you're promoting to all your friends that you're participating in, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. really weird. It is weird. And I don't know how it comes back, you know, like I don't, I don't know how this all reverses. I know that w everything goes in cycles and everything old becomes new again eventually, but I don't know with, with the, incorporation of technology into everything it's right. really really hard to imagine people it, not it is so it's a very sad time too to be a music fan. <laughs> right yeah um you one thing I, I really like about you from what i understand like you you always are looking to help people that's that's something i've gained from you from the little i know and one thing we talked a little bit we touched on the floods uh and the rain that we've recently got around mm -hmm. here it's affected some of the uh the record stores right um so is there anything that that you kind of have maybe cooking up that that maybe we could have a call to arms to help these guys out yeah like, well <laughs> not that i have cooking up but i mean you know like i'm friends with bob and martha at vinyl acres mm -hmm. and when the um zine started you know they were the f and you've interviewed them before yeah. i think mm -hmm. yeah and they're these fantastic am amazing magical people that have this rich mm -hmm. uh, musical history in the region and yeah. even nationally and uh, their record store has been flooded now this mm -hmm. weekend for the second time in three years mm. and uh, they do have a GoFundMe page mm -hmm. uh, so people can go find that I'm sure on the internet for Vinyl Acres GoFundMe um, to help raise money to replace stock. I think they l lost about $20,000 of inventory. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. But I know that the, as of yesterday, they had $4,000 raised already. That's good. And, and Bob said that they're determined to come back. Um, none of the stock that was up on the tables got damaged. That's um, good. And they had taken precautions after the first flood, you know, but it just, I think they had over a foot and a half of water, mm. and, and it took it out. I mean, you know, we live in a city that's built in a basin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of a problem uh, <laughs> when you get these 100-year flood events every three years now. Yeah. Right? What's up with that? What is know? up with that? Yeah. I don't know. Huh. <laughs> hmm. Wonder what that is. I'd love to get... I'd love to get them on the podcast too. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, that'd be a awareness. rich. Yeah. Well, just the stories. Yeah. yeah. I used to work, I first met Bob. Uh, I worked at uh, Record and Tape Traders. Okay. Out on the okay. Golden Mile. I uh, see. Yeah. I've, I've only been in the area maybe about seven years now. So oh, okay. I, I don't, I don't know a lot of the history of the area. This, there was, this was out on the Golden Mile. Yeah. It was a chain here in Maryland, mm -hmm. I guess, or like seven stores. And there was one here in Frederick. Okay. And um, Bob was the manager. And mm. so like, 
I'm like, huh, who's this old guy, you know, what's his story? And get talking to Bob and he's got like the best stories in rock and roll. You know, he's got like, <laughs> yeah, he opened for Hendrix and Neil Young bought him his first acoustic guitar. Yeah. And, you know, because he used to play with Grin with yeah. Bruce Springsteen guitarist mm-hmm. Niles Lofgren. Yeah. And then Martha was, uh, has her own musical history and was in this band, The Slicky Boys, was mm-hmm. the first singer of The Slicky Boys. And they were sort of like a proto-punk band mm-hmm. from D.C. back in the late 70s, I guess. It, yeah, he was telling me too about Grin again. Did did you know about that? Like they did a couple reunion shows, I think. Right. Did, yeah. And I, he was pretty excited about it when I had talked to him. This was a couple years ago, but he was pretty excited about it. Yeah, um, I know that they did that. Yeah. yeah. He, and he, then he plays. He played in the Roslyn Mountain Boys, which were they sort of were uh, southern rock before southern rock was a genre. Mm-hmm. And Bob has all these stories about how the record executives didn't know what to do with them because <laughs> they had never heard this stuff before. And then he plays blues, and mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a phenomenal drummer. He sang on a bunch of those Grin songs, yeah. which I didn't really mm-hmm. realize until recently. And yeah, I think he has a, a big uh, photo too. Is there some type of photo that i'm thinking of that's in the shop that and it, the yaz like it's a a photo of this place he used to live at that's it had all these famous people oh yeah that's re- right. yeah i've seen that, that picture yeah. but i don't know a lot about that <laughs> yeah yeah so um anything that anybody can do to support the downtown record stores and yeah. um and and bob and martha was, at this time especially would be great now you um you mentioned the zine a couple minutes ago right you were in i I could be mistaken, but I thought you were involved with Subversive from the beginning. Right, I guess so. Are yeah. you are you still involved with it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how's that going? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. So uh, I did this thing called the Mason Dixon Punk Rock Art Show like two years ago. Okay, I think I heard of that. Yeah, yeah. and the F- FMP did some nice coverage and even gave mm-hmm. us the cover of the seventy-two oh, hour cool. yeah. paper. And what that was is that it came to my attention that there was like this older generation of punk, alternative, independent artists and musicians, and that the younger generation in their 20s here in town had no knowledge of that at all, Mm -hmm. right? They had no clue as to anything that had happened here in the 80s or whenever. And so I got uh, Stephen Blickenstaff, yeah, okay. Noted local artist, yeah. most uh, famous for doing the Cramps Bad Music for Bad People cover. Yeah, right? iconic. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this artist, uh, Fat Pat. <laughs> and Pat was from uh, Pennsylvania, and he used to uh, draw these figures with real long noses, and they would be slam dancing, and he made zines. Mm-hmm. And this is back in the day when you would go and buy a Xerox zine at the local record store and could find other people and other bands because mm-hmm. the internet did not exist, right? That's how yeah, we did it back yeah. then. Mm-hmm. And so I put on this art show with those two, and it was a huge success. We had like 300 people come oh, through that's there. Great. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it was there that I met Max. Oh, yeah, Max Dietrich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I got to talking to him. I was like, you know what this town really needs, Max, is a zine. Like, mm-hmm. just a simple little Xerox zine to connect because we've got all these bands and there's things happening. I mean, Frederick's really experiencing, I would say, like this amazing renaissance or whatever you want to call it. Like, they're mm-hmm. the most bands and artists and venues in this town right now at this moment than there has ever been. You think so? Oh, absolutely, so, yeah. Because, like, mm-hmm. when Miss Only Heart first, when we were playing Frederick back in the 90s, it was, like, us an internal void and shaft and maybe two other bands. Like there mm-hmm. weren't a lot of bands and mm-hmm. we played in a German restaurant window <laughs> called the Schminkelstube or something like this. <laughs> uh, and it was across from Brewer's Alley. Uh-huh. 
uh-huh. right? Because there was like nowhere to play. Yeah. Uh, all the bars had cover bands, you mm-hmm. know, and it was just um, yeah. So compared to now, like got it really good right yeah. now, you know. <laughs> so, but I was like, you know, the one thing that was missing was like something to sort of connect these people, and then it was through talking to him that they, we started the subversive zine. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it it operates sort of like a terrorist cell in that like the members we. I mean, we do, they have meetups on occasion, but it's just like this diffuse group of people that don't necessarily really know each other, but contribute these different things. Like I do the book reviews. Okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought maybe you were like the editor or something too. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Like Max and some other folks mm-hmm. uh, handle all that stuff. Max does all like the layouts. Yeah. And, um, How do you get people to write? Yeah, they just like friends of friends and the other yeah. people. Like the Zine crew is maybe like eight people. Cool. And then they have friends that contribute stuff. And, and you have how many? I think you have five, six issues out at this yeah, point. Yeah, something I like think that. Something. So, you yeah. <laughs> so it is very, it is very kind of coming and going ish oh, yeah. kind of thing. Like I it's, do uh, the book reviews, and then I've done some of the band interviews mm-hmm. uh, to highlight some of the musicians, like a Bob and Martha in town, mm-hmm. uh, but also. Um, the drummer from the seminal hardcore band Marginal Man from DC, mm-hmm. he lives, Mike Manos, he's from Frederick or lives in Frederick. And so I interviewed him. I think I read that. Yeah. I think yeah. I did. That was in like issue number two. Yeah. I, I was going to say issue number two. That I think I read that. And again, yeah. it's this idea that like, hey, you 20 somethings, there's like a long history here of, yeah. of people doing cool stuff. That's cool, man. That's yeah. cool. So, so that's going to keep. Like, it seems like it's thriving. It'll go till it doesn't. I mean, you know, it's not like, I don't think anybody's too invested. Like, it's like, okay, we'll see where this goes and if Mm -hmm. it fulfills a need. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, because people can write things in that zine that you're not going to be able to publish anywhere else. You know what I mean? So it's a great place for people to rant about stuff. and Yeah, and it really, uh, there was a really powerful story, I think, in the latest issue, too, about uh, the Me Too movement and about uh, somebody had, uh, a woman uh, had written about her experience. And that was really, really powerful right it's it's a really important uh idea you know i think on some level like not just the scene but the city of frederick if you have your own zine like that it kind of elevates you and validates you as a city it it elevates you and validates you uh as a as a music scene too right. that there are people who will come together to do that yeah there's and enough youth culture happening that yeah. we can produce this and yeah know. it's really good i hope it you know i hope it continues to thrive and hopefully you guys don't bail on it or yeah you, you never know <laughs> might wake up tomorrow and be like meh yeah. well, but you're right though those things always happen until they don't yeah like that's that's kind of it yeah. uh so we always we always finish everything up with a song which okay. i mentioned to you before and yeah and i i want to get to i know you have one other thing you want to get to but i, I always want to have at least a brief conversation about whatever song it's going to be if you've thought about it if 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 there is what like what went what went into the song, and why you would like that to be heard at the end of this episode. Oh wow! Okay, oh, that put you on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many songs. Like I don't know which song I'm gonna You're pick. Not, will it be yeah. an old or new song? Well, probably. Well, I don't know. It could be an old song. We released a song that Mike wrote. You know, the one good thing about uh, recently, so maybe I'll, and it's available for free online. Maybe I'll pick that one. On or, your Bandcamp? 
Yeah, okay. somewhere out on the internet, it's there. Well, but you know, the one good thing about Miss Lonely Heart songs is like all the songs are kind of within the same thematic range, and that <laughs> is like sort of you know, was it Thoreau that said all men live their lives in quiet desperation or something like <laughs> yeah, that, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, and it's just sort of all the songs, no matter from what year they are, they all come back to sort of the same notion that like. You know, suburbia isn't quite all it's cracked up to be, mm-hmm. and the enemy of modernity and the disconnectedness and that longing for something more out mm-hmm. of life. Yeah, yeah. So that we can all depend that we, whatever we hear, will have something, something. <laughs> within that theme. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So now the uh, you have other things that you're involved into in projects that that that's going to be going on. Uh, I know there's something far off in a few months. Did you say yes. September? Uh, November, November. Actually. yeah. And what's that? Okay, so what this is is that I'm going to host, um, it's an author and film uh, screening. Mm-hmm. Um, not the whole film, but just snippets of it. And what this is is uh, Cynthia Connolly, who was instrumental at Discord Records when it formed and worked there for many years, mm-hmm. uh, released this fantastic book called Band in D.C. of all of these photographs of... Mm-hmm punks and the bands uh, from the 80s and even in, I guess, well, yeah, it's all pretty much 80s. Um, and uh, it's received, you know, global recognition and she did an updated version of it recently and she goes out and tours and speaks about that. So we've booked her to come mm-hmm. uh, to downtown Frederick and talk about the book and she'll show like a slideshow mm-hmm. of certain images. And then there's this gentleman, James Schneider, um, who made this documentary called Punk the Capital. And he's going to, after Cynthia's done speaking, he's going to show excerpts from his movie. It's a documentary and uh, talk about that. And where's that going to be? So it's going to be at the Spires. Uh, oh, the Arts, New Spire. Arts. New Spires yeah. Arts at the Church Street location in the okay. old school building there. Yeah. And so, uh, who knows? I mean, it's November. It's Saturday, November 3rd. It's pretty far off. Maybe I'll even come back on before yeah. then. I'd love to have you back. But, Will there be any music? Uh, no, no music no at music. all. Okay. No, it's a better event. Just uh, maybe the, we'll have bands that night at another location. That could be know? fun. Yeah, yeah. that would be, be good. We did that with the art show when we did it. We mm-hmm. had bands at uh, Atomic Mosquitoes played at Guido's. Oh, they're great. They're fantastic. They yeah, are so good. And and um and so I have that coming up. And just yeah, to say uh, there are so many good bands in Frederick right now, and such mm-hmm. a diverse variety of things happening from Gloop. Yeah. To the Atomic Mosquitoes, to... I I live across the street, I guess, from a band... Uh, and I thought that they were some kind of alt country band, but they were just featured uh, on the video show that you do in the, uh-huh. and they're kind of metal. Y- was it the one Silent was, Silent Old Mountains? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you live where you live close to the Old News Post building? Uh, well, no, I live up on North Market. Okay. Oh, maybe it's Crooked Hills. Crooked Hills. I get those too. Yeah. Are they like an alt country band? Uh, well, they. <laughs> So that that is probably who you're talking oh, I about. See. Uh, well, they're my neighbors. They're and they. I think they have to move actually because they're. Uh, they <laughs> they sold got the a house. I didn't call. <laughs> I did not call anyone. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, the I know the guitar player Ben uh, really wants to get a project regarding uh, like alt country off the ground. Huh. But Crooked Hills, as the band that it is now, it's like super screamy hardcore stuff. Oh, okay. So that's that's. You're probably hearing a mix of those things. I see. And you're right. Yeah, we did. Uh, we've been uploading the video shows onto Facebook directly. The archives. We've done about. We've done eleven episodes, I think. 
and I'm through half of them now getting them uploaded because internet connections are bad <laughs> sometimes. Right. But we did just get the Crooked Hills one up there, so that's probably what you saw. Crooked Hills. Yeah, yeah. so those guys are really nice dudes too. If you ever yeah. think about it, go over to the house and Yeah, I have to I keep meaning to I see a car out front <laughs> with drum kit in it and stuff yeah. and I keep meaning to say hi, but I just haven't yet. But yeah, it's a really great time in mm-hmm. Frederick for um, like that new Spires Art, the yeah. Market Street location is going to open next year, I guess, and mm-hmm. uh, have bands. And so that'll be another venue. Yeah, that's exciting. That's really, really exciting. I was going to ask you, and you kind of answered the question, you know, if you have any uh, local bands that you'd love people to check out. But Gloop. And, I love Gloop. Yeah. I think they're so fantastic. Have you seen them live? Oh, yeah. They're really great, man. Yeah, a couple times now. They're great. I'll go, like, sneak down to Guido's and stand in the back of the room and then just sneak out like <laughs> nobody sees me come or go. But, yeah, I try to check them out. And yeah. I appreciate Max's uh, energy and enthusiasm and all that he does for... Like he's yeah. just does. He's a powerhouse. He and really he's is, probably going to yeah. go great places because he's a good drummer and yeah. yeah, he's solid. So yeah, and he's got his hands in a lot of stuff. He's yeah. really. We actually just had uh, t-shirts made for the band, and he did them. Yeah. So <laughs> he's yeah. got everything. He does it all. He does it all. Um, so uh, Miss Lonely Heart is going to go back in the studio later this year. Yep. You have this event coming up that you just described yep. in November. Is there anything else? Uh, yeah, well, um, we'll start playing out again in October. Okay. And then um, throughout October, November, December, January, I guess we'll be playing around. Cool. So come and see us. All right. That'll be, I want to see you. So hopefully maybe we can play together because I'd, I'd love yeah, to definitely. check you guys out. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be good. Um, this has been fabulous. We have no idea what song's coming up next. So for those listening, uh, you'll figure it out. <laughs> but... But Andy, thank you so much for taking oh, the time thank you. and coming by. This has yeah. been a blast, and there's so much more we could have talked about. So next time we'll talk about those things. But okay. Thank you so much. Thank man. you. Thank you.